Good evening. Good evening and welcome to House of Production Gospels Wild Talk Radio. We have a very special guest for you today, Ms. Edna Goots. Uh, today is Saturday, March the 27th. The time is we 1 p.m. here on Central Time here in Alabama. And you on the uh, your Eastern Standard Time, Ms. Gooch. That means it's yes. about two o'clock there. Two o'clock there. Uh, Ms. Edna Gooch. Uh, we chose a subject for today from uh, one of Ms. Gooch's posts: "God saved me on purpose for His purpose." I want to read that again. This is a quote from Edna: "God saved me on purpose for." His purpose. Uh, God saved me on purpose for his purpose. She's a recovery coach, a life coach. Uh, Jesus is the answer. Hands up, hands down, love. Pure recovery support specialist at Charleston Comprehensive Treatment Center. I don't know if she's still there or not. She's a former coach at the Partnership of African American Churches, former store clerk at Union Mission from Charleston, West Virginia. She's a former housekeeper, hotel at the Green Barrier, went to Green Barrier East High School, studied at Maranatha Bible Institute. Hope she'll pronounce that better for you. Uh, from White Surfer Spring, West Virginia. She's single and she's followed by 1,610 people. And you are listening to House Production Gospel Blog mm-hmm. Talk Radio. We're located at 231 Sixth Avenue down south here in Beatrice, Alabama. The guests can call in at 347-202-0317 if you'd like to ask any questions of me or any questions of Ms. Gooch. She has a powerful history. She has did prison time. She has God has brought her back from uh, lesbianism. She has awesome things that are going on in her life, and God is still good. She is a recovering COVID uh, plague victim, and she is a walking example of what God can do in your life, for your life, if you would let him. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Edna Good. Good evening. Good evening, people. God bless you all. And, and um, to God be all the glory, honor, and praises. I was listening to um, Brother Howard share uh, uh, some of my back of the, my background. Um, I give God all the glory, honor, and praise always because I'm standing here today and able to to share just a little bit about you all the, some of the things that God has brought me through only because of his grace and mercy that kept me. And, and you know, his mercy and grace are new every day. His mercy is, is, and grace are new every day. Um, so just let me say a quick prayer. I always like to start out praying. Uh, Father, uh, as I come before you, I just ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. In thy sight, O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Father, we just thank you for this time uh, that we could lift up your holy name because you are holy, God. And your word said that if you be lifted up, that you would draw all men into you, God. 
So may you be lifted up and, and, and help me to get out of my way. I ask that you, I will get out of my way and that your, the Holy Spirit will speak through me, speak, speak through these lips, and let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Father, we thank you that we have uh, connections, that we can use social media and the different technology that is out now to spread the gospel, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Because you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And no man should get to the Father but through Jesus. So, God, we thank you for Jesus, and we ask that you would have your way uh, as we uh, just lift up your holy name and, and just as I share some of the goodness of the Lord and some of the things that you have brought me through. And we say thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Okay. Amen. 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 Edna, let's start with the current battle that you are battling right now, recovering from COVID-19. Tell those that have had it and have had it and still have it and, and afraid of it, uh, what impact has God allowed it to have on your life? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, with the COVID, I mean, wow. Um, first of all, I never, I was always I was praying. I tried to follow all the rules of, you know, wearing the mask. And, you know, that one thing, I never stayed out of church. I was, I never really walked in fear of COVID. Um, to me, some of it is like some of the empty people. Uh, want some people in fear, you know, because the Bible says um, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind, power, love, and a sound mind. So, you know, once COVID, when the first, yeah, I've been tested. I was tested twice because I got sick and I thought I had it, and both tests came back negative. So here back in January, um, I was feeling so bad and Really, I had an assignment to go out to this young lady that God has placed in my life from Chicago. She's in one of the drug programs here. And, um, uh, you know, God is kind of delivering her from almost the same lifestyle as I was. Uh, especially I'm excited about the homosexuality. I just hope and see that God will turn her life around as he did mine. But I, I was had an assignment to go take her out on the path. And I was that day I was just feeling extremely tired. Um, before that day, it was on a Saturday, and I was off. But I just, my body was, ex- I was feeling exhausted. Uh, I know I would get in the shower and take a shower. After the shower, I couldn't, I mean, I could barely stand up. I mean, it just, like, took all my energy away. And I'm like, man, what, Lord, what is going on with me? And then I'm all I could think about was COVID, you know, I thought I had protected myself. Um, but like I say, I never really stayed out of church and, you know, some people are obeying what uh, all the rules that they have out now. But um, that day, I just felt bad. I, I lost my sense of smell. I never lost my taste. Um, I ran a slight fever. On that day, I was so exhausted, I didn't even want to go to where they have the free testing. So I went down here to Medic Express. So I had to pay, you know, I had to pay like $50. And, you know, it's a rapid return. So when I went in, I waited, and I was, I mean, I didn't even want to drive. I was feeling so bad. It dra- this COVID drained you. Like I said, it took my smell away, took my energy. I had the chills, like my body kept getting the chills and my bones. And 
everything was aching. So when I got in, took the test, um, the doctor came back and took, I waited 20 minutes, and he shared. He said, well, Ms. Gooch, he said, why did you come here? I said, to see if I have COVID. And uh, he said, well, I'm sorry, but you tested positive. So at that moment, my fear began to kind of a little bit, a sense of fear came over me because all I could think about was people dying. You know, I've, I've, there's many deaths, as you can see, around the world. And in this area, there's been lots of deaths of elderly people, mostly. But anyway, I cried for a moment. I cried, and I came home. And that night, the first night, it was, you know, I let fear kind of grip me, step in, and and, and um, I, all I could think about was dying. And I, then I began to get up. I'm like, God, you know what? You brought me this far. And I know that you are healer and that you're going to see me through this in Jesus' name. And so I said, I, I command the spirit to get away, get out. I will live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. And so that night, I mean, and I got through it. I slept. You know, you're so tired. Your body is so tired. You All you can really do is rest for the first week. I had to quarantine for 10 days. Um, so you know, I had to, my job, you know, really, I'm wondering if I got it for my job because there's several people. I say to people this, too. If you tested positive for COVID, if you know that you have it and yet you're in fear of maybe not having to pay your bills or, you know, you can't afford to take off work. I mean, that's not the right thing to do because, you know, really that's kind of being selfish, you know, because you can say, well, I don't have you to go. Your job won't check unless your job checks. And, you know, most jobs are given. You don't run a fever. I never really ran a fever that high, only 99. But, I mean, there were several other ladies in that place that had it. One young lady, she's a younger girl, she had it. And she never, she continued to work. So I'm thinking that's where maybe I contacted her from because I'm trying to think where I could have caught it from. So if you know you test a positive, stay home and quarantine is what I'm trying to say. That's the right thing to do so that we won't continue to spread it because where it, like, affected me, um, I had to stay home those 10 days. But I tell you what, I got, I watched God provide for me. I had my brothers and sisters, my sisters knocking on my door saying, what do you need? Um, I did not have to want for nothing for feeding me. They bought dinner by. God, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, they were, you know, all my uh, hygiene and, you know, things that I needed for the house. So I really watched God provide during that time. So I uh, thank God. But, um, and then like right today, that happened in January, the first part of January. And, you know, I was getting ready to celebrate my birthday on February the 11th. And I always celebrate my birthday on the 11th of February because I just time in prison as Howard was sharing with you all. And um, I was sentenced on February the 11th of 2003 to 10 years and eight years probation in federal prison on my birthday in 2003. So every year I celebrate, I love celebrating Jesus a different way than I used to be when I was in the world. And when I was in the world, we drank the kegs of beers. I'd have parties. There was cocaine and, and beer, kegs of beer, you know, that life. So now as I approach my birthday every year, I, I have been led to, to celebrate Jesus. And so 
and I, I had uh, on February 11th, I turned 60 this year, praise God, uh, and that was a blessing. So I had all this in mind. I'm like, I got to get better so I can celebrate my birthday this year. The devil is a liar. And so anyway, I got through that, went back to work, but today I'm still feeling the effect. I cannot smell. Still, I can smell a little bit. Still struggle with uh, fatigue and get, getting extremely tired. Um, uh, the chills come every now and then. You know, like I was at the store last night and I tried to smell some some uh, some stuff for my uh, clothes. Some um, <laughs> I, I tried to get I some smell. To, go ahead. Some chocolate. <laughs> Yeah, I saw I mean, you posted it. I had to, I'm in Kroger's looking. I'm in Kroger's with a bottle all up in my nose, trying to get to smell to see if it smells good. It's some downy, and I got mad because uh-huh. you know I also have to have a hip replacement next month. So I was in one of those little scooters you get to drive around the store. So I was in there smelling, <laughs> opening up the bottle. I'm like, I want this, but I want to see what it smells like. So this gentleman was walking by me. I said, Sir, could you please come here for a minute? And I said, I'm sorry, but can you tell me? <laughs> I said, can you tell me what this smells? If it smells good or not, and tell me the truth, because I don't want to buy it if it's not. So he was, he said, ma'am, oh, it smells good. I said, you wouldn't be lying to me, would you? And so anyway, <laughs> I got aggravated. I said, I'm sorry, sir. I said, I just, I told him I'm honest with people. I just, you know, I'm still having the effects of COVID. And he just laughed and went, he said, that's okay. So anyway, I, um, I pr- just going through that part of the COVID and still getting extremely tired sometimes. And But, you know, God has been faithful. Um, I continue to go to the hospital and visit people. When I could, I had one of my sisters that went on home to see Jesus. I watched her go through some stuff, and it made me even thankful for what I what I was going through. I mean, I watched my one of my sisters just struggle with her health and on life support and fighting for her life, and, and that really, you know, uh, uh, that really got to me because Miss Della was a wonderful lady, Christian woman, loved Jesus. But anyway, with COVID, I, I say this: I'll leave you all with this. If you have COVID and you know you're tested, don't, first of all, don't fear. You know, God, he will be with you. I believe when we, our time is up, I had in my mind, I said, if my time is time to go, and if it's COVID or whatever, then okay, God, because I know where I'm going. I'm going to meet Jesus one day. And so if you have it, don't be afraid. I mean, just so I haven't had the vaccine yet either. A lot of people are running out for the vaccine, but I'm like, I want to see what it's going to do to other people before I take it because, I mean, I just don't trust in our government. I mean, it's, it's to me, we have to have more research on it and, and see how it affects people because the media doesn't always tell everything. They want to tell you the good stuff. That's what we got to be careful of and listen because they'll tell you what the, how it's done, but what about the death that is caused in so God put this Nigerian. I have a sister in Christ. She calls me mom, Auntie Edna, and she's from Nigeria. Wonderful young lady, and she's in Alabama now. I'm hoping I can get her to come on, be led to talk to her to get on your show too, Freddie. Wonderful testimony. This she's powerful. Uh, she's going to school in Alabama. She was here, and she graduated from West Virginia State, but she's 
uh, pursuing a career in um, pharmaceutical, and she said that she's actually they're actually going to do some testing of the vaccine and still let me know whether it's good, okay to take or not. So I and I trust Tosin well enough. Very anointed, very knowledgeable of the Word of God. Actually, we'll be, I'll be getting on the Bible study with her today on Zoom after I get off of here today. So um, wonderful. Yep. Get. I don't know if anybody, if you're ready to go get the shot, that's between God. I just haven't let to get the vaccine as of yet. But if you do have it, don't be, stay at home. You know, God will provide. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I, I appreciate you uh, imparting that uh, from your personal perspective of COVID-19. Uh, um, let's talk about um, your time in prison and your transition from uh, uh, your arrest and during time in prison, eight years plus, and your transition, how God brought you from that, your lifestyle, and where you are now. I, I see you all over Facebook testifying and telling people, and I love how you are telling people what God can do and what's possible. Um, talk about that. Start wherever you want to start. Your ministry that you are uh, in now, you are a person that, um, uh, a recovery coach uh, uh, for people and to let them know that there is a God. You're not alone. You don't have to commit suicide. You don't have to be ashamed. You, God is awesome and he can do what he did for you what he did for me. Start from wherever you like. Yeah, um, the testimony, wow. When I think about all that God has brought me through as, as a, you know, as from a child on my first day, I had a first, my first drink at nine years old, and it went from alcohol. Um, I was great. This is short because my testimony is very long, so I'm going to try to break it down, give it to you short. I was raised in a very abusive home. My dad was, you know, abusive. I'm a mother, domestic violence. I, I watched her be abused. And then there was, I guess I started coping with the abuse that was going on with alcohol. I had my first drink at nine. And they gave it to me, a daiquiri. Um, so that opened the door to alcoholism. Um, from alcohol, it went to marijuana. Uh, me and my dad, you know, we smoked. We started smoking. I started selling weed to support my habit. Um, then from marijuana, you know, I'm an athlete. I used to like to play football, basketball, baseball. And also uh, during that time as a younger child, I began to be attracted to women and men, both because I had an abortion at 14 years old. Um, so it's... Um, Around 12, from the age of 12 to about 14, 15, there was acid, alcohol, acid, marijuana. Then in high school when I was playing basketball, there was, I began to use cocaine. Um, and all during this time, my mother was, my dad, like a very abusive man. My mother, I was watching her get abused. And I believe a lot of the drug activity and the, the perversion was a part of me just looking for love in the wrong places and wanting attention, you know, because I'm the type of person I like to make people laugh. 
very distracted in school. I didn't like to study. Um, so, but I had a lot, I was like a pet to most of the teachers. I guess now that I look back, they must have known what was going on. But I live in a small, I lived in Greenbrier County is the name. And I worked at the Greenbrier Hotel. So, and at the Greenbrier Hotel is very well known. It's a, a resort, resort that has a lot of history. Um, back in World 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 War One and Two, uh, like the Vietnam veterans, and it's just if you go on YouTube or or you go online, you can find a lot of history about the Greenbrier Hotel. You know, everybody in that town. There's only a town of three, about three or four thousand people in White Sulphur. Um, very small, so everybody's in everybody's business. Everybody kind of knows everybody. At least they think they know everybody's business. Um, and so, again, I was always one just trying to get attention, uh, very distracted in school. And, but I made it through. I made it through. I graduated in 1979. Um, I had the opportunity to go to any college in the state of West Virginia to play basketball. I, I ran track. Um, but I chose to work at the Greenbrier Hotel. So from 79 until 1987, um, I work at the Green Bar Hotel. Me and my dad were selling herbs and weed, and then I went to cocaine. And so I began a life of music and then started selling after I got out of high school. I, I graduated from high school, and I went to work at the Green Bar instead of going to college. Um, so my life became a life where I was just selling weed and, and then cocaine. Um, I ended up getting busted in 1987, the first year. I got busted, and I had my own house. God had, oh, really, I know. See, God is with us when we're yet dead in sin because um, I was I, I got my house, my first house through FHA um, in White Sulphur Springs, Greenbar County, and I moved out about five blocks away from my parents. But during that time, I, I began to pick up, you know, selling drugs as a second income, what you, what I would say, and um, and to, to support my habits, my bad habits. So me and my dad started running that, and then I started going to Washington D.C. and getting cocaine and selling ounces. Got busted in 1987. Uh, I lost my job at the Greenbrier Hotel and ended up having to leave White Sulphur. Thank you, Jesus. That was a blessing. Sometimes God works the bad things that turns it out for our good. Sometimes the bad things we go through is God turns it around for our good. So I always wanted to leave White Sulphur. My desire was to leave. I didn't plan on leaving that way, but anyway, I thank God for that. I don't thank God I got busted, but I thank God I had to, for what I had to go out. It took me, I took that step to leave because I'm an only child. Um, um, although my dad had other children, I found out later he had other kids even before me. My dad was even married. Well, he married my mom. He was still married. So just what type of guy my dad. I don't. I, I've forgiven my dad. As I talk about my dad, I just want everybody to know I've forgiven him. But, I mean, these are the things that happened prior to the learning about forgiveness. Um, so... Um, I got busted, moved to Roanoke, Virginia at a due time in Alderson Prison. That's the first time I got busted. I did like 60 days, and then they transferred me to a 
a jail or prison in, in Morgantown, West Virginia, Virginia, Morgantown, West Virginia, which was co-ed. Um, so that's the first time I got Jackson hemmed up. And then I got through that, thought I was over that life of mood to Roanoke, started back up the game, running the game again, met some Jamaicans, cartels, started running, getting involved with the game again. Um, I got hot. Well, we, when I say I got hot, that means the feds were looking for me in, in Roanoke. So I moved to Manassas, Virginia. And uh, But I continued on in the game. I talk about the game. I talk about selling drugs. And, and then I got a connection in New York City. Uh, my cousin lives in Jersey. One of my cousins lives in Jersey. I started running drugs from New York City to West Virginia and Virginia. And then, ninth, and then um, that went on for years. I got busted a second time for a guy that I got pregnant by. And then I did time in jail. But just a life of addiction. I ended up getting busted my third time in October of 2002. Um, during that time, I've been in and out. You know, so I was using my own supply. I turned myself into an addict. You know, crack. They say crackhead. I don't. I don't like to call people out of their name or speak anything over people's lives. So I'm just going to say I will turn myself into an addict, namely cocaine, freebasing, crack, on my own supply. And so during 1998, 98, 99, up until 2000, I was in and out of psychiatric centers because I was suicidal. I attempted to take my own life, but God, oh, but God, um, one of my friends took me to uh, Delaware. I was living in Manassas, had my own townhouse. You know, I had sold my house back home, made money off of it, sold it, bought another townhouse in, in Virginia. And then me and my dad were running together also. I even had my mother involved at that time, too. Um, thank God they didn't have to go to prison, though. So I moved, while I'm in Delaware, I get a call from the FBI on October the 9th of 2002, and they said, if I need to get a lawyer, so are they going to pick me up? And that number, they did pick me before that, they told me they were going to, before they arrested me, they said they were going to come and pick me up if I didn't turn myself in. So anyway, they arrested me on October the 9th of 2002. The feds, the FBI raided, you know, they, I was on my way to work in Delaware. I was living with this guy and my friend. Um, I um, they arrested me and uh, flew around to different prisons. And uh, I've been on Con Air, what I call it, Con Air, um, the federal prison that that they um, transport prisoners in. So um, from Delaware, I ended up back to D.C. in a holding holding facility, um, and then once. February the 11th of 2003, they sentenced me to 10 years and 8 years in federal prison due to a cocaine charge, conspiracy to distribute cocaine powder. So I ended up in prison. They transported me to Lexington, Kentucky. I was in Lexington, Kentucky for six years from 2003 to 2006. 
Um, then they transported me to Chicago. I mean, Chicago, Greenville, Illinois. I was trying to get out early on doing a drug program, some type of drug program called RDAP. That didn't work. Um, so I ended up getting sick and just kind of going downhill, giving up. I was so ready to give up in prison so many times. Prison, I can stay on here and talk to you about prison. That would just take another story with it. That would be good to that, that, administer. That, 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 right, that right there, and uh, I would really would like to take a whole hour just to talk about your life in prison. But when you were sentenced to federal prison in 2000, what, 2003, right? Yes. And, and how many years you spent there? I spent eight and a half years. I gave me a 10-year sentence and eight years probation. And I was 41 years old when I went to prison. I was kind of getting, moving up in my age. I was 41 years old. And I was severely you, you, depressed. When you, 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 were 40, you were 41 yes, when you got sentenced? Yes, sir. I was 41 Ooh. years old, and I was a mess. I was so, like I said, I was suicidal. I was dealing with really bad depression to the point I could not function. My parents and them, I mean, I uh, I was in and out of psychiatric hospitals. I've been on every type of antibiotic they want to make. They made at that time Prozac, lithium. They stuck needles in my ears. My The devil was trying to take my mind. Oh, but God. But God. When I think about oh, my God. life. I'm sorry. It's It's okay, Evan. It's okay. It's okay. When I think about the goodness of the Lord, how he kept my mind that God is so powerful that he can renew your mind. My mind was so messed up at that time. My family, I was ready to give up. I was so messed up mentally that I couldn't laugh. You know, there's endorphins and different things in your brain that affect to make you laugh, to make you. There's different, if you search it out, the brain there's endorphins, there's uh, serotonin. I mean, I'm, and I'm not being, I'm not, I'm keeping it real. I couldn't laugh. That's why my mom even mm-hmm. said, your laugh changed because I laugh. I'm so, the laugh is different because I was at a point I couldn't laugh. All I wanted to do was sleep. And I was going in ways of trying to take my life. I took Ambien. They had me on this drug that makes you sleep called Ambien and, you know, Trazodone and, I mean, just all these drugs trying to re- help me, to, my mind, to get right. I mean, it was dark. It was the darkest. I'm going to tell you, I would rather have a broken bone than to be mentally depressed to the point you're ready to take your life. I don't ever want to go there. Oh. I get depressed and that way. I mean, people had to make me get out. They had to make me go do. And then I got 10 years in, in prison. Jesus. My God. Yeah, they sentenced me Ooh. when I was that messed up mentally. So there's nobody that but God that can that can do what he has done in my life to renew my mind. I mean I couldn't even wash. I smelled I would they my mom had to make me get in the shower. That right there alone told me I knew something was wrong. Went into psychiatric centers, then I'm like I got in there, and I'm like, man, these people are really crazy. I'm not like that. <laughs> it made me, I'm like, wait a minute. These people are really, you know, like walking around like zombies. 
And then my mom had to, they had to make me get in the shower. That is not me. I'm very clean. I didn't want to clean my house. People would come and make me go out. Just to, My friends were like, get up and then come on. You can do this, you know. But, and then I went to prison that way. And so, I mean, just like I said, it would take me an hour to tell you about the things that went on in prison. You know, I, they, they, all I did was sleep. Um, I, I don't know. There was nobody but God that brought me through that time I, and then turned my life around. Nobody can do it. was God. I mean, he is almighty. Look, look, look uh, from the time that you was in prison and the things that transpired in prison, uh, what, and where along the way did God finally break through? At what, okay, uh, you're at 41 now, and, and you're in a quagmire of all type of uh, stuff going on. Where along that? After the age of forty-one, and you got that ten-year sentence, did, did did God start to crack you open, or you begin to open up to God, or somebody, some way he he got he took he, in other words, he 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 got to you. Yeah, he found he said, me. Edna, we don't he, find he, him. You're right. That's good. He found me when I went through. Well, I got to the point I got so ill, and I moved, made that transition to go to to Greenville to try to get out. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. I thank God for that guard who told me to leave because I was involved with women, and he asked me this. He said, what's more important to you, getting out of here and going to your mother or that woman that was in prison? And I said, my mother. So I made that move, and my mom actually took me to, she took me to the prison. I had to go through here and my stepfather. Um, It was while in, you know, I went to Illinois, Greenville. I mean, that was, like I say, prison, those things, some of the things I experienced in prison was not good. But I had lost, I was down to like 130-some pounds, just couldn't eat. I mean, I think I had a little mini stroke while I was in, in Kentucky because it was so hot in that prison. They didn't give us, we didn't have air. But it was in 2010, um, after, you know, they transported me to Texas. I was in uh, this Texas of women, a prison. It was a bigger facility for women. And it was behind the fence where I was behind the fence the first six years. But it was in 2010, while in Texas, God sent some angels to me in that prison. And uh, I'll give you their names if they don't mind me sharing. Ivy uh, Rios from Texas. She's Mexican. Crystal Monos from Texas. Um, That's one of the ladies that Trump released here last year before last. Crystal just got out not long ago. Thank God for them. Her, Rachel um, Blackwater now, but she was Jones at the time she remarried. She's one of my sisters in uh, Arizona. She's Native American. She's Native American, and she's from Arizona. Um, And just like with one of my sisters, I mean, God, you can use whoever to get his word out. These women were in prison with me, but they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. They told me God loved me. But he didn't love what I was doing because I was living a homosexual lifestyle, too. And so I got delivered from drugs and homosexuality and everything while in prison when I surrendered my life. Because that's what you have to do, as I'm about to say, is surrender. Um, but this one of my sisters was locked up. I found out after I got out of prison, she was in prison for the murder of her child. And she was on meth. But God used her to teach me about demonic spirits, demons, and 
People don't want to hear about the devil, but the devil is not no pitchfork, red, or whatever. It's a spirit and demonic spirit. So, But God used this young lady to, to share the gospel with me and to teach me about spiritual warfare. So um, it was that encounter that I had on June the 10th. One night I went out for it to have a kidney stone, shackled to a bed to a, a, a public hospital. They shackle you and put you to chain you up to a bed. And I went in the hospital that way that day, and I had a kidney stone removed. And when they brought me back to the prison in Texas, in Texas there were like 1,800 women there too. But that night I had an, I had an encounter with God when they brought me back. And and while laying in the bed, because I had been baptized several times before I went to prison too, but we talked about that one day about being baptized. You know, you I I this last time. I was you say you were baptized several times? You say yeah, you were baptized several times? Several times. Yeah, several times. I was baptized when I was a child at seven as a Catholic. Uh, then one day, uh, one year, I was going through a bout with drugs and I almost overdosed. I almost died for real. I didn't even get into that because there's so much to share with you all. It would take days for me to share everything. But I got baptized at, at a Baptist church, and, and uh, Reverend Durant was the pastor there. He's now in Washington, D.C., but that's the first time I really got I dipped in the water because Catholics don't dip you in the water. They sprinkle you over the head. So, but I, and I, I, that day, I, I, I think there was a little bit of a change where I, I maybe I was saved, but I hadn't been delivered. Um so I knew of God before I went to prison, but I wasn't living for him. I, I had a personal relationship with Christ at the last time. After I surrendered, you know, the first time, the three times, I got baptized again in D.C. somewhere at a Pentecostal church because I thought every time I got dipped in the water, it was going to help me and that I was a Christian. You know, I'd get out. The last time I got baptized, I got out and came home and opened up a bottle of wine to celebrate. You know, and now I don't do nothing. <laughs> I know, that's not, that's not funny. <laughs> that, hey, that just, that just shows you how much effective baptism is. I, I, what was struck me is that you were baptized several times, and there was finally a time that you got baptized where it was not ceremonial. It was spiritual. That's when the change. <laughs> right. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's right, because the last time I got baptized, like I said, I opened up, came home, drank a bottle of wine, and had some weed. I was a weed smoker. and had me some, I was celebrating. <laughs> you do not celebrate Jesus like that. <laughs> yeah, because now, you know, oh, look real, for, I, yeah, 18. Oh, he is good. October the 9th actually made my 18th year of being so sober. I don't do nothing but Jesus, Okay. When they busted me, I haven't had any drugs since. I celebrated 18 years of sobriety and, and, and being good, no kept, you know, praying for me a husband as well. So, um, but, yeah, so, you know, April, June the 10th, uh, June on April the 10th, let me see, where was I? I got lost. Where was I? It was on April the 10th, uh, no, June the 10th of 2010, I surrendered my life to the Lord. I was. I went out on that kidney stone to have a kidney stone removed, and the Holy Spirit. God spoke to me that night. I, I couldn't go to sleep. It was, I'll never forget it. It was a count. You know, they have count time in prison. I couldn't go to sleep, but I heard the Lord came came to my room and said, "Eddie, you got to choose whom you're going to serve." 
And I'm like, and I just looked up. I'm like, Lord, I said, if you give me one more chance and you give me the strength to do it, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And so on June the 10th, that, I mean, after that day when I got out, I began, God began to move. It's like, I was like Lazarus. I say, raise me up from the dead. Because I remember telling my mom before this happened, I told my mom to get my grave ready and my obituary. I said, because I'm not going to be able to do this time. So I believe now what I was telling my mother is that I was ready to die to the things of this world that kept me in bondage. Hallelujah. Uh, so that I can live for Christ, because really that's what we have to do. We have to die to our flesh. You know, there's a spiritual death. Death doesn't. A spiritual death is different from from a physical death, because we have to die of the things of this world that keep us in bondage of sin. You know, homosexual me. It was homosexuality, um, drug addiction, um, depression, um, just anger and bitterness. Um, perversion, uh, you know, fornicating, and all those things are the bondages that keeps us in sin. So we all had to die to the things of the world that try to keep me and take destroy my life so that I can live. Because so for Christ, he said um, uh, the gift of Christ is eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of Christ is eternal life. And you got, he said, you choose whom you're going to serve because you can't serve two masters. And so, but anyway, I got surrendered my life on June the 10th, and, and the life began to change. I actually, in the when people could see it, I had officers and that was they were like in a maze of, of what God had done. I, I began to dress like a woman. I put on lipstick, and I, 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 one of my sisters, I had a little duck tail in the back at that time. My hair was really short. So Ivy was like, well, sister, you're going to have to let me cut that tail off. I'm like, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You know, so I finally, before I left prison, I let Ivy cut it off. And, uh, you know, just the, the transformation alone. I like I show pictures sometimes when I'm ministering of the before and after because I have that too. I can show you pictures why you can look like a dude and, and now and to now. And, and one of these, uh, one of my officers, she was a black lady, Miss Fitz. She was over top of the pill line. She told me, she caught me in the hallway. She said, Eddie, you need to share your testimony with TVN. And I did get to do that. Um, she said, because you you are like a butterfly, is what she told me. She said, you're like a, a, like a caterpillar. And then after a caterpillar, when it, comes, it starts to go, it, it turns into this beautiful butterfly. And so she told me that. I'll never forget that that lady told me that. And I ended up, after getting out of prison, I have shared my testimony with TBN uh, and the 700 Club. Actually, if those are listening, if you want to hear a short video, another video, if you want to, there's a video that's four minutes long, and you can go to YouTube and type in Edna Gooch, and you'll see a video where God allowed me to do with the 700 Club. And, um, yeah, just God has been so good. But I surrendered my life. You know that year, then in 2010, and I was released. But see, God, you know, I was ready to go. I thought I was ready to go home after that, but no, there was still more needed to be in. You know, because the Bible says, "He that has begun a good work in us shall complete it until the day of Christ." So that means once we surrender, 
God is always going to be working on us until he calls us home. It's a, and it's a matter of surrendering every day so that we can die to this flesh, you know, where we're tempted of. Um, so after that, I, 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 got, I was released on April the 7th. Uh, 2011, and I'll be celebrating the 7th next month. April the 7th of 2011, I was released back to Charleston, West Virginia. And thank God they didn't release me to back, go back to White Sulphur Springs. I actually live two hours from my hometown. And I'm good with it. I'm still in West Virginia. I love Charleston. It's not as small as White Sulphur. Um, so after being released, I was released to a halfway house. And when I got out of prison, when before I left prison, I heard the Lord said, I, now I want you to go back. I want you to tell everybody that where you came, where I brought you from, I want you to go back and tell them about Jesus, what I did for you. And that's what I've been doing. I have been a voice, a witness for Christ. Um, when I got out, um, God led me to a church here, a big church. It's called Maranatha uh, Fellowship Church. And I wanted to get baptized again because I knew this time there was definitely a change. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. So um, I was in the halfway house, and I would tell, talk about Jesus in there. I would do things so I could stay up at night, like I, you know, bust the floors and stuff like that. Because when God brought me back to life, I got back to cleaning and, you know, just doing and, and exercising, walking and everything. So, I mean, it looked like he raised Lazarus from the dead. So I got baptized again on November the 6th of 2011 at the Fellowship Church, and I became active in the church. I sang my song and gave myself away while I was in the water. It was so beautiful because Maranatha is a big church. At that time, they had like about 2,000 members. Um, Pastor James Wright was the founder of Maranatha, and um, he is one of my spiritual fathers now. I haven't saw, seen him in a while, but he's one of my spiritual fathers. I mean, God made it so with this man of God, I actually cleaned his house and everything because I clean houses on the side sometimes. But I'm getting out of that, though. But, um, you know, just the, how God can use and how a man of God will trust you in in his house. And, 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 and yeah. after with the, the, my past history, and, and that's what God was doing. Pastor Wright, I mean, one of these days, hopefully, maybe I'll get to get him to share with me. You can look him up on YouTube. His name is Dr. James Wright. He he left Maranatha and turned it over. But anyway, I, I went to Maranatha for about seven years. I got on, uh, you know, far as going back, transitioning back into society. Transitioning back into society was very difficult because when I got out of prison, I was like about 48 years old. And, you know, here you got a black woman, 48 years old, with a, a, a record, criminal record, ex-felon for drugs. So that struggle was like, I'm just now, just in the past two years, getting to where I'm, I'm in an office job, and I'm now a recovery coach. But prior to that, I had to do, I, you know, I had told one of my sisters in Christ in, Christ in a prison, Ivy, I said, Ivy, I hope I don't have to work in um McDonald's. I don't like restaurants. He said, Edna, he said, look here, sister. He took me to a scripture that says, everything we do in Book of Colossians, everything we do, we do it as we're doing it unto the Lord. So she said, whether you got to flip burgers or do what that, just know God bless you and you do it as you, he's your boss. 
So anyway, I kept that that scripture with me, and, and I and I stand on it today. So I didn't have to go to McDonald's, thank God. But I've worked in civic centers. I've you know worked in the civic center. I've I've worked holding up stop signs. Um, I just bounced around back and forth to jobs. So there was a little instability with me for a while. And where God had delivered me from homosexuality, mm-hmm. and drugs. And everything, I, I still needed help in the area of my finances. And uh, he still helped me right today with that. But I, I worked at this organization. I ended up going through jobs and losing my apartment here. And not because I fell back into drugs, though. It, just, it was a struggle financially. So I ended up at this organization called Union Mission, which is a drug program for men and women. It's a faith-based uh, program. And they, I stayed there in the shelter for a while, and then I got a job. Mr. Rex Whiteman was the director at that time. He hired me, and he wanted me to be a recovery coach, but I wasn't ready then. You know, I'm learning in life about preparing. God has to prepare mm-hmm. us before anything he can use us for. We can't go out in our flesh or it's not, it means nothing, and it's not going to affect anybody. So I had went through a period where I had to die to my flesh and become humble. Um, because I was basically holding on to some pride I didn't know about. I, I was kind of prideful that God was using me, and and then God dealt with me on that. And and I now I just remain humble because you know you don't never want to forget where God has brought you from. So therefore, you it gets so that you have more compassion with people and not think that you're any better or you're all that because God is using you. Uh, you know, because it's all for the glory of the God, not for nothing for Edna or whoever. Those titles don't mean nothing. You know, it's all about Jesus. And so I, I worked at the mission. I, I learned to work a cash register. I, I was always had a fear of using a cash register, cashier, but God opened that door where I got over that fear. I was a cashier at the thrift store in the mission because I really wasn't work ready to deal with women. God wasn't ready for me because I had to be at the season and take me through some things. And so mm-hmm. I worked there. Then uh, at the mission, I worked in. Uh, I would all, I still ministered to people. They wanted to offer me a job as a as a house manager, house supervisor. But I I just did devotions with the women. And, Kind of, I had to live with some of them. So I went through a season where I still had to live with people. I'm so thankful now I live in my little house by myself, me and Jesus. I don't know what to do because <laughs> I lost my listen. I lost my apartment because I would have Bible studies and I would get I I get loud. I shout. I get loud like I'm in. Me and Jesus have a good time. And so the first apartment, <laughs> the neighbors got mad because I was making too much noise. They said. I said, you can call the police if you want to, sir. I'm praying. Yeah, I pray my bills like you do. If you want to call the popo, bring him on. Because I just need to my house. <laughs> I said, bring him on in here. He'll maybe we'll get, I'll have prayer with so him. He, he can come so here and so search you have my prayer house. With the police. Hallelujah. You can search it because you're not going to find nothing here but food. And just don't catch me in my birthday suit. Uh, food and, 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 and Jesus. And you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And so I went, you know, I was at the mission. I had to live with them. And then finally, God blessed me with this little place. I have, I have a little white house. It's little, but I, I can make as much noise as long as in the middle of the night. If I want to shout, hallelujah, I'm good. Nobody's going to come knocking on my door. <laughs> 
But if the popo comes, if the neighbors hear me and think something's wrong, he can come on in. I'm not scared of the popo. (laughs) (laughs) You've been around popo nearly 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I ain't scared of them. They're my friends now. I actually have a part-time job. I work in security, too, at the mall. I said, look at God. They asked me how 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 you get on the security and you got a felony behind you. I said Jesus, <laughs> he will make a way when it seems like no way. Yeah, the police are my friends. Well, I look, don't run I, 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 I I was struck by the fact that um, you talk about how God brought you out of the life of uh, homosexuality. I I want you to speak to those that are in that lifestyle right now and uh, speak to this thing about they were born like that and God made them like that and all those type of things, refute that, God willing, from your testimony, how that's a lie. And that lie is perpetuated by Satan mm-hmm. and lifestyle. Yes, it is definitely a lie. In the pits of hell. The devil, I always tell people the devil is a liar. I heard this lady used to say that in prison. Miss, uh, I forgot her name. She was another lady God used to, to, share, with, to share the gospel with me. Um, but she used to say the devil is a liar. Well, the devil is a liar. You know, I spent half of my life with, with a woman and really perverted both, but really I lived with the woman for half my life. Um, and then there's another woman in you know, the one other lady, the second lady that I was living with before I got locked up. I mean, the government, first of all, used both of them to lock, help lock me up, the witness against me. And the one lady was, was messing with me, ended up messing with my dad. And that's just like I say, some old crazy stuff that went on with that lie. But, you know, for many years I tried to carry myself wait, as a wait, man. Wait, 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 wait. With your father and yes. you at the same time? Ooh. No, well, she was no. We would get high, and they would be sitting around making Google eyes. Oh, oh. There was there's some times he touched her in a way, and oh. she, you know, some one of my friends told me, and I would just watch them, and you know, whatever they did, they they try to send me away to to go get beer or, or something, and I don't know what happened during their meeting there, but I I know he was messing okay. with that woman. I mean, you know, it's just. I don't like to think about that because I almost wanted to, I tried to hurt, I was almost ready to hurt that lady one night. I began to, I wasn't in my right mind and I was like, you know, I just realized the thing, I was taking care of her like I was a man because I always tried to play the side of being a ma- the male part of being homo- of homosexuality. You know, care, try to what, carry what? myself as a man. But really, loving men, I, I really, the enemy used that lie because I used to always blame my dad and for what he, how he treated my mom and the abuse that she went through. So that was always my mm-hmm. excuse for being in that lifestyle. But mm-hmm. once I surrendered, I even had to forgive him and I stopped mm-hmm. blaming him. That's the thing about in life, you know, even sin, no matter what it is, we, we always want to try to justify and have reasons to make us feel good about what we're doing. So once my sisters shared the gospel with me and they told me about that life, yes, God loves us all. I mean, John 3.16 says so. It says God so loved the world. That's everything. But he said he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, who loved him, 
shall not perish have everlasting life. So, you know, that's so when I realized, you know, the love of God and, and that lifestyle where there wasn't this God that's not in it, I stopped blaming my father for the reason I was, how I was. Mm-hmm. And I repented, and I, when I surrendered, I surrendered all of me to him, all the junk, all the stuff. And so, no, it, it, you know, we, we can justify our witness to homosexual. As a matter of fact, I took a young lady out yesterday, and she, God is working with her. But I, I, I'm, this late young lady, she's in her 20s. I got two of them got assignments that are in that life. And I also have a lawsuit that I'm beyond there for mm-hmm. homosexuality just for something I said on a job. And, and so, mm-hmm. but with this one young lady that's trying to, God, I believe, I, I believe she's been following me. Her mother passed away, long story short, last year. I was her mother's recovery coach at one of the other at at programs. And I was her mother's recovery coach, but they found her mother dead and her and her boyfriend in December of this past year and, and, and of a drug overdose. And so she's been reaching out to me since I met her. And her mother used to tell me that her daughter was this way, and she was hoping I would get a chance to, to witness to her, and, and I would pray for her with this lady's mother. I mean, with this lady and with her mother. So yesterday when I was out with her, I went out with her, and, you know, she wanted to go out and eat. And she was doing, she had her mother's ashes and stuff, and she wanted to bless me with her necklace because she knew I really cared a lot about her mother and, and how I was her coach. And, but she uh, began to share with her that I, when I got delivered, I, didn't, I hadn't got an opportunity to share with her because I kind of looked at her pictures and I could tell. And her mother always, like I say, made me aware of that. So when I got a chance yesterday, I was talking, I said, yeah, God delivered me from homosexuality. And she said, I, I'm with women. She's been going to church. You know, sitting in church doesn't make us a Christian. People, I've been going to church. There's more than just going to church. First of all, those are buildings. We are the church, the body of Christ, the believers. And mm-hmm. so I, I haven't been, I just told it about my life. And I said, yeah, you know what? Well, God loves us, but he doesn't love sin. He loves all of us, who we are, but he doesn't love sin. So sin is things that we do in our life, whether it be homosexuality, murder, adultery, fornicating, sin is sin. And God is not pleased with it. So, but I'm like, I'm like, Lord, is I can't find myself to really share what I want to with this young lady yet because she's still mourning over the death of her death of her death of her mother. So I believe it's in God's timing. Uh, I, with this particular person, I'm just going to let God and let Him light the way and just try to be that spiritual mother to her because she's been really reaching out to me and she's missing her mom. And so you know. But I say to the, anybody that's in a lifestyle, you know, if you fall in love with Jesus and you study the Bible for yourself, you know, the Word of God, like I told somebody I put on Facebook and a lot, got a lot of hits off of it. The Word of God is like a two-edged sword. It cuts off, it cuts out sin, and it adds on righteousness. So, mm-hmm. but you got to study to show thyself approved. Study it and, 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 and read it and not take out of the word. You know, he said, don't take or ask from this book of Revelation in Revelation. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes we want to take the word and just look at the good good scripture and overlook things that will convict us. Conviction is good because conviction is what helps to get right with God. 
because we don't sin against no man. The Bible says we don't sin against no man. We sin against the man, and his name is Jesus. So, no, the light, yes, God loves you, but he doesn't love sin, whether it's homosexuality. He created man for woman. I mean, there's no life that can come out of two of the same gender. And there's no life that you can reproduce. Thank God that he made us that way we could reproduce. I mean, because there's no scientist that's ever able to reproduce. The only way someone can reproduce a child is if a woman go out and go get a man's uh, eggs that, that they give out and then put it in her. Because I know a young lady that did this, too. She's in that life. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I mean, all this stuff, I'm not transforming. Mm-hmm. I mean, one time in my life I had a thought of changing my sex when I was in prison because I wanted to get out. So I had just thought in my mind, I said, well, if I go out, change my sex or whatever, then I can get out of prison. That was a liar. <laughs> That's a liar. Mm-hmm. That was my desperation of getting out of prison. But now, oh, my goodness, I see so much I mean, things break my heart when I see men wanting to transpose their life to, to women and the, the corrupt doctors that would even perform a surgery. I mean, that is, to me, that, that, I mean, I don't believe that stuff can happen. I don't see how a doctor can take a, the, your part, Freddie, and put them on me and expect for them mm-hmm. to work right like, a, like a, a real man. You know, the devil's mm-hmm. a liar. So, no, I mean, God loves you. But if you truly love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, you will be able to let him change that in you because he's the only one that can transform. I can't trans. The only thing I can do to a person we can do as brothers and sisters is be a light, be that example of Christ, not compromising. I, don't, I try my best not to compromise on the word of God. Yes, he loves you, but he does not love you. He created man and woman for a purpose, a reason, so that we could reproduce life. You know, basically, Adam and Eve is when sin came into the world. Before that, there was no sin. But when Adam and Eve, the enemy tricked them, and the woman, the man, instead of him being the head of the household, he let Eve just let her have her way. And, you know, they ate of the fruit of the tree. And then that's when basically they did what? They disobeyed. They did what God told them not to to do. That's the thing about living Christ. It's about walking in obedience to the word. Mm-hmm. You know, we can make all kinds of excuses. Well, I'm this way, whatever. People get mad at me. I'm sorry. Get mad at And I'm going to tell you the truth in love. That's okay. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold than even with myself, I had a, a my my uh, my spiritual daughter Tosin had to tell me some things that I needed to do to hear. The truth don't always feel good, but it worked out for our good, for our good and for the will of God. You know, so we we have to be able to have criticism or or be able to the gospel and sharing the gospel, knowing the gospel, the word of God will offend people. And only when they get offended because the truth don't feel good, you know. But when we when we study God and really get filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes to comfort you. He comforts you. He will teach you. And he will show you, light up things in your life that are not God. And then all you have to do, God, I surrender my life to you. Take this away from me. 
And I was with a woman for half of my life, women, 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 and I surrendered my life to the Lord. There's nothing a woman could do for me but study the word and be my sister in Christ. Now, does the enemy try to attack me with my past, whether it be drugs, women? or Yes. He always try to test us. You know, he's and that will forever be saying no. He'll he'll try to let me look at a pretty woman because I used to be attracted to very nice looking women, and and but he'll try and I'm like the devil. It's like nothing that woman can do for me but be a sister in Christ. You know, you you gotta you gotta speak that word out. Last week I, I had I got an attack about drinking. I, I failed an exam that I had to take for peer support, and I was so mad at myself. But what happened was God said, you, you you failed because you're not a failure. It's that you failed to prepare. And now you, know you, know. What? you know what? You know what? You know what, Edna? After you told me that story, the thing that came to my mind was this. God said to her, okay, Edna, you said you was ready, but you were not ready. Now, nope. get ready. That's right. That's, yeah. That's what Look he said. That. He said, you're I, not a failure. Because I felt like I was, didn't have confidence. You know, that I wasn't smart enough. Or this. I'm like, God, I know what you're doing. You know, he said, well, you, you failed. There are different tools that they're using in, in the type of programs that, that they have, different ones. He said, you're not a failure. He said, but you failed to prepare. Yeah. That's the same the thing. I, I, I don't have a drink. And the enemy tried to yeah, attack me a, saying, have a drink. I'm like, you liar, ain't no drink. You know, I haven't had a drink or had no sorts like that for 18 yeah. plus years. Hey, come on, go, go get a drink. That's where the yeah. devil, he'd be deceiving you. Yeah. Go get a drink. Yeah, I knew that was yeah. the devil. See, that's what we got to know. We have to recognize the attack of the enemy. Someone that doesn't hasn't been strong in their word and in their faith with God, they would have went out and had a drink. I would have mm-hmm. if I was where I used to be, you know. But I knew better. I'm like, no, God. That, I'm like, devil, you liar. I rebuke you. And, and that will never help me. Never has, never will. I rebuke you. You know, and I just came home for a ten, little tantrum, cried out to God. And, and then he just told me, he said, you're not a failure, Edna. You failed to prepare anything you do in life. We got to prepare. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing that I tell young uh, basketball players, girls and boys, about basketball. And they come out all the way, 40 games, good luck. It ain't about no luck. Are you prepared? Are you That's prepared right. with the crossover dribble? Are you prepared to shoot the free throw? Are you prepared to shoot the, the basket the right way? Are you prepared to pass the right way? That's, That's right. ain't no luck. That's preparation. That's what the drills are for. And when you prepare, you are ready. That's right. I just had, right. I had to bring that in. That's that's what I do with coaching basketball. I first time I hear one talking about good luck. It ain't about no luck. It's about preparation. Well, I don't like people. I don't like people telling me about luck. I don't believe in luck anymore. That I know Jesus. But to me, you're either blessed or you're cursed. That's it. That's it. There ain't no There's two no ways about it. Luck. There's no such thing yeah. as luck. Either you're blessed or you are cursed. Yeah. And and, and, and how you how do how do you how do you become blessed? 
by, by being in the will of the Father, following what God wants you to do. That's right. Well, Edna, I, I didn't intend to cut you off there, but, but I just had to inject that. Oh, um, that's okay. Go, okay, brother. Go ahead. Go ahead, because it, I, I it's want, just... Go ahead. I wanted to share something with you. I, I was reading the Bible because I always try to come off of the word because um, I don't want to hold you all up. It's been an hour. and um, But, you know, and to God be all the glory. If anybody ever has any questions, you can give them my telephone number. I, I did a post, and it went on Facebook, and I so shared it with groups. I had so many likes yesterday, like over about almost close to 1,400 likes. And then I, one person was drawn, and they're from Georgia. And one lady actually called me through that one post. There was one that it touched. And I, I met me another sister now. Her daughter was in prison. She shared with me about her daughter. We've been talking to each other, and she lives in Georgia. And we pray for a daughter. But just that one, you know, that one could lead to thousands, hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. But I, And I was looking in the Bible today. I was thinking about endurance. So I was read to a scripture in Revelations, and I'll just share this with you all. It's uh, Revelations um, uh, Revelations uh, chapter 12 and verse 17. And it says, and the dragon was a wrath with the woman, and the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandment of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Okay, and then on my, I don't have a Bible, I have a study Bible, so it's really gives, good. It just gives you like a more uh, understanding of that word. And um, it says, um, while the woman, in twelve seventeen, while the woman represents faithful Jews and the child represents Christ, the rest of the children, remnant ever see, could be the Jewish believers or all believers. Most likely it refers to all believers. The Apostle Paul tells us that in the spiritual battle, and it says go back to Ephesians 6, 12 through 10, John says the war the Apostle Paul tells us we are in a spiritual battle. I'm sorry, Ephesians 6 um, and then 10 through 12, and that's like putting on the whole armor of God. And John says the war is still being waged, but the outcome has already been determined. Satan and his followers have been defeated and will be destroyed. Nevertheless, Satan is a... Satan is battling daily to bring more into his ranks and to keep his own from defecting to God's side. And amen, and that is so real for today. Those who belong to Christ have gone into battle on God's side, and he has granted them victory. God will not lose the war, but we must take well, we must make certain not to lose the battle for our own souls. For our own soul. Don't waver in your commitment to Christ. A great spiritual battle is being fought, and there is no time for indecision. You know, so that stuck out to me because that's what we're against right now today. Like, it's a spiritual warfare going on in the world. And, you know, we just got to stand. You know, I put on the whole armor of God every day, you know, 
um, the helmet of salvation. Uh, I have a prayer that one of my sisters blessed me with, and I remember it. But you put on the whole armor of God every day because we are living in such evil days where they're calling evil good and good and evil is so prep. I mean, if you don't know God now, today, I mean, anybody, anyone that's listening, excuse me, if you don't know God as your personal Savior, now is the time to repent and get it right with him. And he will make a way. You know, the Bible says he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he loves you like you are, but he won't keep you like you are. He's a transformer. He can transform you. He loves you. I mean, he loves all. He, he's just giving everybody an opportunity now to get it right with him. Mm-hmm. So anybody listening, if you don't know the Lord, now is your chance to call in, you know, pray with you, pray for you. And if there's somebody listening today, if you don't know God, surrender is all you have to do is surrender your life to him. And he will fix whatever is messed up. He'll, he'll, he's a healer. He's a deliverer. Yeah, he's a provider. Jehovah Jireh. Um, he'll make a way when it seems like no way. As a miracle worker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. You know, he's awesome. And he loves you. You know, so I, I, I advise you right today, I encourage you. So just give it all to Jesus and watch God be God in your life. And what he did in my life, he can do it again and again and again and again. Because he said, his word says, I'm, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, I'm typing in on, uh, I'm, I'm typing in on YouTube, call Life Coach Edna Gooch, okay, G-O-O-C-H, at, Okay, what's your number? Three zero four. Okay, hold on. Six four six. Six four six. Okay. Call Life Courts in the Gooch at 304-646-4077. Yes. All right. I'm going to copy this and paste it over on the uh, Facebook Live page as well. I'm simulcasting Edna on Facebook and and YouTube at the same time. Okay. Oh, okay. Praise God. All right. And the next time that we do it, I didn't think about this until I, I was outside working and we came in about 30 minutes prior to upload and get ready. And I didn't think about telling you to go live on Facebook or either YouTube. We could have we could have been on split screen. But next time we'll do it that way because I hope and I believe that God's word will not go out the word does not go out and come back void. It's going to do what it says, whether Amen. it's both on the screen or what. But his word is going to work. Okay. Uh, let's see how much time we got streaming time. we got 14 minutes of live time left. Um, I, t- t- talk about, uh, since you've been out and, and, and you've had some ups and downs and struggles and COVID and and all kinds of things have 
went on in your life. Talk about how God is still keeping you and fighting for you because you've given your life to him. Tell, talk to believers as well as unbelievers. Encourage them with your words about how God has done you and how God has brought you out of the pits of uh, Satan's grasp. Yeah, he is just faithful. I mean, you know, the Bible says uh, uh, faith is the substance of things. I like to give scripture. I want to say it right exactly how it is and not change it. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and be looking it up at the same time as you, but it, it's in essence that, say for instance, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just speaking metaphoric. If I touch a wall and I see that wall, but then faith is something like there's a wall there, it's a substance, evidence of evidence of things seen, evidence of things unseen. In other words, it's something that has not happened yet. Say, for instance, you believe you should have a car. The evidence of those things is that the car isn't there, but if your faith is just strong enough, the car will be there. That's the evidence. I'm, I'm finna look it up right now on, on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, it's so type of yeah, Hebrews 11, 1. Yeah, Hebrews 11, 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There it is. There it is. The evidence of things not seen. Yay, look at that. In other words, it ain't materialized yet. But guess what? If you keep believing, guess what it'll do? It will materialize. Right before your eyes. Ain't that right? Yes, sir. It will. You you have to have faith. And it says we walk by faith and not by sight. <laughs> not by sight. And, yeah, and I always tell people, I mean, how much faith will we have if we walk by what we see with our eyes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, with our faith will probably be nothing. nothing. That's why faith is a mm-hmm. substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are not seen. You know, mm-hmm. that's just like me. I have faith in my life that, you know, when I surrender my life to the Lord, I had faith in God that he was going to keep me and help me to stay sober and and, and to go out and he would provide for me. And, and I have watched him just like, just do what his word says. He said he would provide for our every need according to his riches and glory. Um, you know, but, you know, I was just thinking, like, about how we pray, you know. Prayer, the Bible says pray without ceasing. That means we need to continually mm-hmm. stay in prayer, you know, because one of my other favorite scriptures is Matthew 6.33, and it says, um, um, what is, let me speak. What did you say, Matthew? Matthew 6.33. That was a lot. 632? 633. Matthew? Okay. Matthew, okay. I'm turning it in now. Uh, 
Matthew, Seek ye first Mark. the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Yeah. And then oh. all things be added unto you. See, that's what the enemy tried to do. That, even with COVID, for real, I've also experienced a memory, short memory loss. I just forget just like that. And I thought it was just, I was tripping. But I, one of my other sisters that had COVID along with me, me and one of my really good sisters, my little sister, uh, we, we've been contacting each other every day and checking on each other and seeing the different how she's feeling and I'm feeling. Well, I asked her if her memory was affected. She said, yeah. And she's a manager for this big company. I want my little sister makes good money here. And, and she's a manager for this, like, uh, auction deal, a big auction place. But um, it affects your memory. I mean, mm-hmm. along with the weed, I probably smoked. I, had, you know, I thought it was the weed, but I've been sober for 18 years. But I mean, it it, it does affect the memory for some reason. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, the Bible says, "Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you." You know, daily. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have to all. You know, we. Have, Every day, I started out in prison. Uh, I learned to pray, the importance of praying, the importance of studying the word. And so there's things that we have to change and renew our minds and and our hearts. There's things we have to change in our life. You know, I had to change people, places, and things. I I mean, I'm talking about family members. I don't care because I'm not going to compromise my life. I have boundaries set in my home and my life. Certain places I go, uh, certain people I allow in my household. Uh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, uh, and that's what I mean. So I've lost a lot of my friends that don't, old friends don't have them came up. They don't come around me, um, and it's okay. I pray for them. If they need me, I'm, I'm here for them, as long as it's all about and um, trying to get right and do the right thing um, every morning. I start my day out with prayer. Um, lately, I've been kind of, you know, just have a lot of distractions, and I don't sleep well at night. I have a little insomnia I've been dealing with. I think that's the women struggle with that as they're going through the change of life. And just maybe the chemicals that I induced in my body, maybe that has something. But anyway, I struggle a little insomnia. But the, my prayer life, I'm, what I'm trying to say is when I first got out, I was up at 4.30 and 5 o'clock in the morning, you know, seeking the Lord in prayer, thanking him. First of all, wake up, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for today, Lord. And then you spend time praying for, you know, you can't be selfish in your praying. Think it's all about what you want, what you want. Pray for other people like Job did. He said he got blessed when he prayed for his friends, other people. Um you know, you you want to make sure that in, in your prayer you're um, asking God and not telling him. We don't. I learned that one day. I was praying, and I was telling the Lord, I wanted him to do that. And then I heard this thing that you don't ask. You ask me. The Bible says ask. Mm-hmm. Ask anything in, in his name. You will receive it if it's his will. You know, you're not, you can't ask him, can you go out and rob a bank or do some old crazy stuff, or can I go sell an ounce of weed to somebody and it'll be okay? <laughs> we can't ask mm-hmm. or miss. But anyway, you, you seek ye first the kingdom of God every day. Spend time in prayer. Set aside a time. Sometimes we get so busy. Um, like me, I don't want to be like Martha. 
Like my mother, for instance, I love her dear heart. She's divorced from my dad. They're, they've been divorced since 2000, um, when I went to prison, 2003. She, must, she divorced my dad. I went to prison. I got locked up in 2002. She divorced him, I think, in 2003. So she's living in the house I was raised in. My dad's still living with that woman he got involved with. He can't get out. See, we read what you sow in life. He's stuck with what he asked for. Love to go back to my mom. Anyway, I'm going to get off of that. Um, <laughs> God's good. <laughs> you read what you so, sow. Let me tell you something. Be they, careful what they, you they, sow because you might not like what you're going to reap. My poor dad, I know he go back to my mom, but he's stuck with what he asked for. And, he, they, and they got they had the good thing and didn't know it. So you had a good thing and didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and my mother, they were married 41 years, you know, and then now, but now he's stuck with what he asked for. He would love to get out, but he got some crazy woman. And, uh, yeah, he, she just was. <laughs> it ain't funny. I, I know it's not funny, but God's good. Hey, hey, if he keeps the faith, if he keeps the faith, and do what he's supposed to do with where he is now. God will fix it so that he, he'll get back where he want to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got to deliver that woman on there. Make sure she ain't going to, she ain't do nothing great. <laughs> I have to plead the blood of Jesus over my dad, my mom. You know, but my some yeah. days I cry, though. I'm like, God, you know, if my dad is truly one of just be good to my mom for this. He's 83 and she's 77. I'm like, Lord, if you, I would love to see my parents get back together. You know, right. I mean, without all the craziness. So if it's his will, it, it'll happen. Yeah, but right that's now, right. He's, stuck. he's stuck. If he can't go, he got a crazy woman on him. But anyway. But, yeah, um, that'll keep him praying. You heard me that say? I said, that'll, that'll keep him praying. <laughs> oh, hey, Edna, look, we, we got um, about four minutes left. First, I want to say thank you. This is my second time interviewing you. When you got emotional, I didn't get emotional this time, but the first time I interviewed, I cried with you. But I want yeah. to tell you, keep telling your story, Edna. I, I would love to see what you, your life become a movie real life, and I'm going to say that today, March the 27th, uh, 2021, God willing, let it happen for her, if it be your will, God, and bless her, that her life be made into real life, walking testimony of your power and what you can do. Um. I'm going to say a short prayer, and then I'm going to let you close it. Father, thank you for today. I was working outside and and was watching the time, and I needed to clean the yard, but I knew that I needed to come and be faithful to my and Miss Edna Gooch appointment to talk about her life, that it may save somebody. Be with us and guide us, Jesus. Be with me in the changes that I need in my life. Jesus, may the blessing rest in that son, Jesus' name. Amen. You got it. Amen. Okay. And to God, thank you, uh, Freddie. It's always a 
an honor to share about the goodness of the Lord and to lift up the name of Jesus. Um, and to God be all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. I know that we are all alive and able and, and standing here today for wherever you are. I know if you could just think about your life and know how that, how God has kept us all. Um, I'm sure we all have a story. Um, I'm praying, standing in agreement that I get this book written this year. I'm, I'm, uh, people have been encouraging me to write the book, and it's not my book. It's his book. So um, just hopefully I'll stop procrastinating and write the book. So that way I'll have more to go from. And, you know, maybe it'll be a movie and something. Those are my visions. But anyway, I thank God for this opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus. Father God, I ask that you would just go with us for the rest of the day. I thank you for Freddie. I ask that you could, Howard, I ask you to continue to pour out blessings on my brother with his ministry. May it expound. May you just use it for a way to, to to spread the gospel all over the world. May he reach listeners all over the world in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we just thank you for life, God. Thank you for life, Lord. I ask that you would touch everyone that's listening. May your word, like Freddie said, go forth and do what you called it to do. Let it not return void. So you said you are not a man that you shall lie, and your word never returns void. So, Father, we love you. We thank you as we're getting ready to celebrate Resurrection Day and, and a good Friday and Palm Sunday. Father God, we just know it's all about you. It's not about an Easter bunny. It's about Jesus Christ that you've been raised from the dead and so we would have eternal life. And thank you, God, that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever should would believe us in him, they'll not have everlasting life. So, God, we thank you for Jesus Thank you, God. Thank you for all that you've done for us. We love you. I love you with all my heart, all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. There's nobody like you, Jesus. And we thank you that you make a way every day. Thank you, God, for the many blessings that you have bestowed on each and every one of us. We, if I know of anybody can just look around and know they can find so many things to be thankful for. So I thank you, God, and we go forth throughout the day. May you go with everyone listening. I plead the blood of Jesus over everyone. I ask that you would bless them, encourage them, provide for them, heal them, deliver them, whatever it is you need to do, Father God, in the name of Jesus. And we love you, Father, and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, Edna. Thank you. God bless you, brother. You're welcome. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. All right. God All right. Bless you take you. care. All right. You love too, you. brother. I love you too. Right, God bless. Right. Yeah. Edna Gooch, we have spent an hour and 30 minutes with a powerful lady. We're going to close this broadcast with a test of faith. This is part one of a series that we did. It's a five a uh, four-part series, but it's only we've listened to the first part of it. It runs 49 minutes and 51 seconds. On behalf of all of us here at House of Black and Gospel Blog Talk Radio, all the folks at the National Association of Black Defenders, uh, we thank all of you for tuning in, and may God bless you. May God be in your life. And God. This is yours truly, Freddie Howard, located at 23167. Downtown here in Beatrice, Alabama, thanking you for listening to How Super Black Gospel Blog Talk Radio. God save me.
on purpose for his life, meeting Edna Booth. God saved me on purpose for his purpose. We'll see y'all next time on House of Young Gospel, Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, we say it again, we say it again, we say it again. And test of truth, what is true? What you just heard this morning? What is truth? The different snippets of life, ups and downs. Here we go, do this again, over and over, repeat it. What is the test of truth? A test of truth. People are reluctant to make challenging personal sacrifice for fear of losing everything. For fear of losing everything, how can they learn to offer difficult sacrifices even in the face of fear? Fear. By being willing to offer his son, we're talking about Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know anything about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Do you know about God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Abraham learned to trust God who provided everything he needed. Abraham. Abraham. A test of God's call to radical personal sacrifice. What about your own personal sacrifice? What about your own personal sacrifice? What sacrifice have you made? A test of truth, God's call for radical personal sacrifice. People are looking to make challenges, personal sacrifice for fear of losing everything. Are you afraid of losing everything? Welcome to House of and Gospel Block Talk Radio, coming to you from 231 6th Avenue. Located in the big city of Beatrice, Alabama. If you want to call in and talk this morning, it's 347-202-0317. What's on your mind? What has tested your faith lately? If you want to just listen in, it's 713-955-0464. What have you done so far as a radical, a radical personal sacrifice? Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son because God told him to do so. What has God told you to do to test your faith in him? What sacrifice has God placed in your place that allows you to walk and be with Jesus Christ? What personal sacrifice is taking place with your family, those in your family, all around you? What personal sacrifice? Why? Why, why, why? Why did it happen to me? Why did it happen to me? Why did this situation in which I'm involved in now happen to me? Lord, we desire to live life characterized by unquestioned obedience. We put our trust in your faithfulness to your promise to us, relying on your strength to pass our test of faith. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Are you trusting in your guns? Are you trusting in the situation that's taking place in your life? Eternal God, our Father, I thank you for the privilege and opportunity this is your servant, Freddie Howe, to be a part of your agenda for ministry. Thank you for making me an instrument of your service that I may impact and influence the lives of those whom you place 
and my spirit or influence. Help me to accept them as they are and lead them to become what to lead them to become what you would have them to become. I ask for your wisdom, your insight, and most of all your presence and power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. I pray, Amen. Today is the day in which God has made, the day that you will never see again. What is the test of truth? Following Christ's obedience can be challenging to adults, especially when it requires unexpected sacrifice of what may appear to be an unreasonable instruction. Inadamantly, we are built to avoid or resist those things that are humanly unpleasant and test our faith in God. However, true faith will always be tested, and the intensity of the test will be determined by how closely we are walking with God. God often tests us where our hearts are to determine if we will still love Him. Love Him, He calls us to sacrifice, to experience the loss of something or someone we truly love. It is at such times that we can ask, Why me? Why me? Or why not me? Depending on the level of intimacy in our relationship with Him, each of us must ponder how we respond to the test of our faith. None of us will know until, none of us will know until, none of us will know until, none of us will know until we are tested. But to mature as children of God is necessary to experience this test. The key to receiving blessing he has for us on the other side of those tests is to intentionally cultivate an intimate relationship with God. We can learn this lesson from the experience of Abraham when God commanded him to offer Isaac as a human sacrifice. Order your steps. Let God order your steps. Let God order your steps. Let God order your steps.
You know, um, as I was playing that song there this morning, I'm thinking about how God has blessed us and did so many powerful things in our lives. How God has made us aware of uh, what is taking place in the world and how he has led us to do things and say things and be a part of things, but what has God done in your life to test you, to see who you are, to test you, to see exactly who you are as a person? Um, I have an interview coming up with Miss Andrea Williams. Um, it's coming up on March the 16th, and it's a lady that's been in the gospel business for so many years and it speaks about living the life living the life in which you sing about living the life that you sing about that's a test of truth of God's call to a radical personal sacrifice in other words you singing about our father which art in heaven and hallowed be thy name you're singing about what God has done in your life and how, what challenges he has brought you to. Are you living that? Are you living that life that you sing about? A test of truth. God's called to radical personal sacrifice. What are you really, really um, willing to sacrifice? And I thought about the interview coming up with her. I've asked her uh, over the years and um, about interview, and, and finally, it is finally a fast approaching that I will be communicating with her live and being broadcast to the world about who Andrew Minnie Williams is. Who is she? The thing of it is, I experience each time that I broadcast and interview people something of how they open up and they tell and they test and they talk about their lives and all the situations that they've been through. But God is awfully powerful and he will um, guide you in whatever avenues that he puts you through, whatever tests that he puts you through. Um, there's a print passage in Genesis 22 Verses 1 through 3, verse, verses uh, uh, 6 through 14. And it's talking about Abraham. I'll turn to that now. I'll talk. I'll, it's talking about Abraham. And it says, And it came to pass after these things that God tempted Abraham. And he said unto him, Abraham, he said, Behold, here I am. Here's something I want you to understand when God used the word tempted. He's testing. He's testing Abraham. Don't get that misscrewed in your mind when you say tempt. That word is tempt is used in the, in the sense of what God is saying. He is testing Abraham. There's some knowledge of God's words and some things in God's word that you need to understand and some knowledge and some things that you do not understand. You do not 
don't need to understand. But anyway, it said, And it came to pass after these things that God tempted Abraham, and he said unto him, Abraham, he said, Behold, here I am. Abraham answers God. And the second verse, he says, And he said, Take now thy son. Hear what he said. And he said, Take thou now thy son, thine only son, Isaac. He says to him, Your only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. God know Abraham loves Isaac. And get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. God is telling him, giving him clear instructions about what to do with his son Isaac. He knows that he loves Isaac. He knows Abraham loves Isaac. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and claved the wood for burnt offering and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Abraham is following instructions. Abraham is following instructions as clear as it is day and night. Abraham is following instructions as clear as it is day and night. How about that? Abraham is following this instruction which God is telling him. Um, how is it that we have things going on in our lives and we don't follow instructions? Following instruction be, can be deadly. Following instructions can be deadly, as well as failing to follow instructions can also be deadly. A simple one. Stop. Stop. S-T-O-P. Stop. You know what that means? To stop. You will be traveling down the road. You're traveling down the road. And the sign says stop. Do you go straight through that stop sign? What do you do? Do you adhere to the stop sign? In fact, in some cases, you may go through that stop sign and absolutely nothing happens. But the stop sign says stop. Do you obey? Or do you continue to run stop signs? If you continue to run stop signs, something is going to happen to you. That is a personal assessment to me, myself, Freddie Howard. What has God done to test you? Isaac, the promised seed, arrived and grew to teenager of young adulthood. Imagine sharing perhaps close to 20 years with a child and then received the command to sacrifice that child as a burnt offering. This is how God chose to test Abraham's faith in him. Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2, which we have just read. If Abraham obeyed it, it would mean destroying the one destined to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant. To Abraham, this command seemed both 
illogical and unreasonable in view of this fact. With Isaac sacrificed and Abraham well passing 100 years old, how could God forgive, fulfill this promise? And how could Abraham forgive God? What is in Abraham's mind? This is a truly awesome test. With Isaac sacrificed and Abraham well past 100 years old, how could God fulfill his promise? The question is being asked. Whatever thoughts they may have raised through Abraham's mind, coupled with the emotional trauma of losing his son, Abraham did not hesitate to obey God's command. Genesis 22 and 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and cleared the wood to be burnt offering and rose up and went into the place in which God had told him. God's promise was to test Abraham's heart to determine whether his love for Isaac was greater than his love for God. Look at what God is doing. Look at what God is doing. The awesome, awesome things in which God is doing. Look at what God is doing. Can you believe?
life back. Instead of staying down, feeling sorry for yourself, I want you to pick yourself back up. I'm 
as we harvest food and distribute it to people here through Pacers and the students out there at the school at Shield. She told me about a very personal thing in regards to the loss of her husband and what our mother had told her. And that is, whenever you love or have something in your life that is so powerful that it separates you from God, God will take that away from you. God is a jealous God. God's call to Abraham did not guarantee that Abraham's life would be trial-free. However, his life experience and his knowledge of God's knowledge of God, knowledge of God, knowledge of God's faithfulness enabled him to immediately obey. As a caption with this radio broadcast is, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faithfulness to him to immediately obey. His test provided specific lessons for us. First, we must expect trials from God. We must expect trials from God. No matter the quality of relationship with him, it is never a matter of if, but when trials will come to test your faith. The loss of my sister's husband, the breadwinner, the head of the family. What an awesome test of your trust in God and loving God. I think about my father when he died. My mother, 11 children, total of 12 children, five boys and six boys and five girls and one outside. The awesome test for my mother when my father died. What a test. Second, we must learn to live by his promise not explanation when faced with the test of faith, as did Abraham. As did Abraham. A Bishop Paul Martin sang this song, Let It Rain. We want you to remind you that God's reigns on the just as well as the unjust. God reigns on the just as well as the unjust. What specific experience have you had in which your faith was challenged by an unreasonable or seemingly impossible test of your faith? Often when we are prepared for, it, for an exam, we use all the resources we have and provided with it to study our effort to pass that exam. When presented with life tests, what resources, what resources, what resources, do you use people of God to get into the very presence of God? Nothing else matters now. In fact, I want you to find yourself right in the Holy of Holies. I see His presence. In his presence. While I'm there thanking him, I know that I have a right. 
whatever I need, he will supply it. I believe tonight somebody just wants him to open up the windows of heaven for you. Let it rain. Send down your blessings, Lord. I just need you to move in this place tonight. I just need you to move in this place tonight. He's doing it right now.
You know, um, sometimes when we do things, it bears the resources of repeating it. I want to go back and repeat something that I said earlier in the broadcast. Um, God's purpose was to test Abraham's heart to determine whether his love for Isaac was greater than his love for God and how far he would go to obey God's command. God calls her Abraham did not go did not guarantee that Abraham's life would be trial free. What specific experience have you had in your life which tested your faith and challenged by an unreasonable seeing impossible task of faith for you? I spoke of my sister's test of faith when her husband passed and what my mother told her in regards to what God does when then you have things in your life that supersedes God, overrides the presence of God, and that you love them so much you love them more than God. God will remove those things. This is what was told to her in regards to God removing my sister's husband. It was a test in which my mother talked about in regards to how God removed her love of her life, my father, when she had 12 children to raise. God has tests for you. It doesn't matter when or how it's going to come, but God is going to test you. However life's experiences are and his knowledge of God's faithfulness enable Abraham to immediately obey. His test provided a specific lesson for his first, but his first must was to expect trials from God, no matter the quality of the relationship with him. Expect trials from God. It is a never matter of if, but when. Trials will come to test your faith. Second, we must learn to live by his promise, not explanations, when faced with the test of faith as God did. Walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith and not by sight.